Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side of Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. We have a really fun show for you today. There's actually stuff to talk about. The Cubs have reported to Mesa. Camp is underway. There's a lot of things going on around baseball. So we're just going to get right into it. Sit back, strap in. we got a lot for you tonight. Adam, how you doing? Fantastic. Awesome. I'm doing fantastic as well. And I was just talking about this non-baseball related. Um, before the show, when I was getting ready for the show, I also spent time making my way too early Chicago Bears predictions for 2020, where I just looked at the opponents and I put W or L next to them. And I came out with a 9-7 and seven record. So I want you to hold me to that at the end of 2020. All right. I, I, will, I will check in. My, and, uh, my default for the Bears is always just 8-8. Eight and eight. Well, I mean, they were 8-8 eight and eight last year. Uh, be better to go 8-8. Eight and eight, But you know what? If they are going to add this other playoff team to the mix, maybe the Bears have a chance. I, I don't like the rule that they're proposing, but you know what? If it means a better chance for the Bears, nah. Do you do you buy that they might have a different quarterback next year? Well, the Derek Carr rumors are swirling around because he there's posted a picture of Mac, but there's been so many and and throughout the season. I don't buy Tom Brady. I think he'll stay. Uh, but I mean, well, he's not like, coming to the Bears. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean. If, heard philip rivers uh cam newton like there's there's been quite a lot of rumors i'm sure they'll just stick with mitch though yeah i mean if if i'm a betting man i think that they do bring in somebody but mitch is still going to be their number one it's going to be kind of one of those bring in for competition type deals but you know i i think Ryan Pace is really going to try to make Mitch Trubisky work. I mean, he traded up for him. He drafted him second overall. It it feels like he's going to ride or die with this this pick, but who knows? I mean, you have a very talented team around you, and windows to contend in the NFL, unless you are Tom Brady or Ben Roethlisberger or Drew Brees, are pretty short. They're pretty short, so you got to do everything you can even if it means swallowing your pride a little bit to win a Super Bowl. I I agree. I think you got to do whatever it whatever it takes. You can't get too attached to your draft picks. They just don't work out the way you thought sometimes. That's just the way it goes. I mean and Mitch isn't the only one in recent memory either. Uh, I mean look around the league there's a bunch. Look what's Josh Rosen up to lately? What's he going to be? He's bouncing around. Yeah. I mean, and he was he was supposed to be a a franchise quarterback. Yeah, yeah. When you're supposed to be a fran- yeah, and if you, boy, if you can't even start for the Miami Dolphins, then you yeah. really you really have not met expectations. No, no, you. Yeah, I mean, there's so many you could name, but um, we'll see what happens there. A uh, long way to go before football season, but right now. We have spring training. Teams are reporting. Spring training games are going to start. Um, there are a few things I'd like to start off the show with uh, in terms of getting off my chest. And I think you can join me in that at least a little right. bit. 
okay, this goes for all baseball fans around the country, around the world. Look, the way that this whole Astros thing has been handled has been pretty awful. And you are seeing more and more players every day speaking out against it. That includes on the Cubs, both Chris Bryant and a man who is very affected by it, you Darvish. And they all pretty much feel the same way. Talk to Cody Bellinger. Talk to Nick Markakis. He really went extreme. Uh, there's plenty of other guys who have spoken publicly about it. And then to make matters worse, you have the commissioner of baseball coming out in a pretty much defending manner of the Astros and calling the World Series trophy essentially a piece of metal. What is amazing to me is Rob Manfred has become more disliked by his sport, arguably right now, than the likes of Gary Bettman in hockey and Roger Goodell in the NFL. At least that's the way it seems right now. When you become more hated than Gary Bettman in your respective sport, that's pretty bad. For those of you who don't know much about hockey, Gary Bettman has been the commissioner of the NHL for several decades. We've seen several relocations of teams to questionable markets. We've seen three lockouts, one in which canceled an entire season. Think of the revenue profits lost right there. And now here's Rob Manfred doing what he's doing, and people are not happy about it. So that's just the thing I wanted to talk about that. I don't know what your feelings are, but yeah, that's me. It, it feels like Rob Manfred is just trying to to wish this whole problem away. Like he just wished this would be put into the, in the, the rear view mirror, but it's not going yeah. away. And, and I, th- players I think are totally justified in their outrage over his comments on this because his indifference on what the world series actually means is just, it's, it's almost blasphemous coming from the commissioner of baseball Yes, to say that, to, to say that it's just a piece of metal I mean, that, that's it's a multi-billion-dollar industry that all revolves around that piece of metal. I mean, play, players live for that piece of metal, and and for him to just sort of shake this off and have this attitude like, yeah, it happened, whatever, move on. That's totally unacceptable from him. Totally unacceptable, because if if, if the commissioner has that attitude, it sends a message to the rest of the league that you can you can do things this way. You can cheat and and probably just get a slap on the wrist. You'll get some bad PR for a little bit. People around the league won't like you, but you'll keep your title. And that's he, that's the message that he's sending. And I think he he needs to realize this. And I'm on board with some of these players that I don't think these punishments were near harsh enough. No, at all. I just don't think that that's enough to incentivize teams to to play clean. I mean, you would hope that they would all want to play clean with a little bit of integrity and honor, but sure. But but to me, this this just sends the message that you're, you'll get a slap on the wrist for not doing things the right way. I mean, the commissioner's trophy, what the World Series trophy is called, literally the commissioner's trophy, is arguably the most historical sports trophy in American sports. I mean, think about it. The World Series goes back over 100 years. Yeah, there is the no Super professional been sport. The Super Bowl since the 60s. Right, right. There, there's, there's, no, perspective. there's no professional sport more synonymous with America than baseball. 
Right. I, even in this day and age where it might not be as much of America's pastime, it was the symbol of America for many decades. It always I, will be. The, his, the history is something you cannot erase. No, you can't. It's, you can't. It's popularity it might wane, but... But its history to with America is set in stone, and that that's forever. No, that's that's very true. I that's that's a great way to put it. And look, you have players like John Lester coming out, not only speaking about against what Rob Manfred said, but they're kind of insulted by it as they should be. Yeah, they I'm, should be. I mean, this is their livelihood. Just to treat I, it like it's nothing. Well, and it's also the fact that, I mean, we have pretty hard proof now that the Astros were doing this for three years. Mm-hmm. Three years. Mm-hmm. And so how he can just brush this off like this, it's just, it blows my mind. And look, I'm not saying that the Dodgers should be World Series champions. I'm not on board with that. I don't think a lot of Dodgers players would want that anyway because you just, you know, cheating or no cheating, there's no way to be certain of something that didn't happen. I do, however, think that it could be the right call to just vacate that World Series altogether and you just have no World Series champion in 2017. That I think I would be for. I think Manfred's his issue there with doing that is that that then makes him go down the rabbit hole of having to possibly vacate the 2018 World Series too. And, and many think, others. And I think I think he is just, and rather than actually taking a serious look at those possibilities, I think he's just trying to avoid this headache altogether and just hope it goes away. But it's not going to go away. No, it's not. It's absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, I've always been kind of against the whole vacate the title thing, just because you're opening up a whole can of worms. It's like, well, if you're going to vacate that one, then how severe was the Red Sox compared to the Astros? And then if you don't vacate the Red Sox, then won't the Astros fight and say, hey, if we're getting vacated, why aren't they? Go back 100 years. The the White Sox, through the World Series and the infamous Black Sox scandal, do the Reds really deserve to be champions? Look at the steroid era. What You're opening up a whole yeah. can of worms right there that I think is is going to be hard to fight and to deal with if you well, vacate it, one World Series. And he, sh- he, should, he should have just said that from the beginning. I, I think right. it's, it's really no secret that that's at the core of his indifference to all of this. But he took the route instead of, of basically saying that the World Series doesn't really mean anything. Right, right. That was completely the wrong way to take it. And the sad thing is is that that was my stance. You know, you can't vacate the past, open up a can of worms, yada, yada, yada. But as time goes on, and the more you hear these Astros players speak about it, I kind of say, you know what? Take it away from them. Yeah. I, they're they're doing this Houston versus the world type attitude when they cheat. Yeah, yeah. like, get a grip. You're the bad guys here. You know, you, you know, Darvish you're... told them to shut up. And yeah, they should. As they should. Man, I... Josh Reddick is going to get plunked this year, like a lot. More than once. Yeah. More than once. It's, as I've said before on this show, Astros games are going to be must-watch TV. There's going to be fights this year. There's oh, going to be yeah. There's going to be a lot of fights in Astros games this year, especially, oh my God, when the, when the Astros play the Dodgers, do they play each other this year? I don't know. I don't know if they do or not. They might not have any, any uh, cross league or whatever you call it. It's going to happen eventually, though. 
there's 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 a lot more teams than the Dodgers that have beef with the Astros now. A oh, lot. Oh, more. you know it's going to be crazy when they uh, go to New York. Oh, play the Yankees. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That yeah, could that's, get ugly. That's gonna that's gonna be really bad because I I can't remember who brought up the point, but they're probably right that Altuve probably probably yoinked an MVP away from Aaron Judge. I mean that's. Sure. It, it's it's kind of up in the air as to you know how much cheating was going on in the regular season if that really would have been the case but but when you cheat at all you really you you've opened the door for speculation like this and it's totally justified uh, and you know if I was Aaron Judge I'd be pretty mad right now about that and sure yeah you're you're right Yankees Astros is is going to be intense I mean not only just because of the teams themselves but. New York is relentless. Oh, Just they're the they're atmosphere. brutal. Totally brutal, yeah. That that might be one of the higher rated series that we see during this upcoming season. Like yeah. I said, that could get really ugly on so many fronts. There could be fights on the field, there could be things coming from the stands. I just yeah. think about what those New Yorkers are going to be shouting at those Astros players from the outfield, the bleacher creatures. Yeah, there's going to be suspensions for sure because I, I have no doubt in my mind that the very first Astros-Yankees game this season, the umps are going to tell both teams, look, the leash is going to be short in this series. We're not, we're not going to put up with, with anything, uh, but they're going to anyway. They're, <laughs> they're, they're, there's going to be some plunking and fighting anyway, I guarantee it. So you, we'll probably see some big-name guys get suspended, I'm sure of it. Uh, but I going back to your point, the Astros are bringing this all on themselves, not just because of the cheating, but like you said, their attitude after the fact. It's awful. Yeah. Like, like everybody needs to just just be quiet and leave them alone. And yeah, this this whole this whole us against the world thing, like they've got it all wrong, and it's coming across in such a bad way. They, it, it looks so bad for them. Here's my question: Why did Dusty Baker put himself into this whole position? Well, I think I mean we knew he wanted to be back in the league. He wanted another crack at managing and I know, I know, but still I you just would have, you would have hoped it would have been under better circumstances than this, but cuz you can't do anything too dusty. He had nothing to do with it. Yeah, Unfortunately, well, I... though, he's now kind of guilty by association now, which I don't think is fair. Yeah, this it, it doesn't really feel like he's uh getting a fresh start. He, it feels more like he's on cleanup crew here. I mean, that's probably why the Astros wanted to hire him. They wanted to hire a player's manager, someone that could maybe turn the culture around a little bit. Because, look, I mean, say what you will about Dusty Baker. He's a very well-liked guy by the players. And that's probably something the Astros had in mind when they hired him. Somebody that could maybe go out there and say some of the right things. But, you know, he's in a position right now where he's basically trying to say, uh... Can we uh, move on, please? Uh, don't hit us. And it's like, well, Dusty. That's, that's it, coming. That's it's coming. coming. Whether they like it or not. Yeah. It's it's not nothing against you personally. You had nothing to do with it. But you're part of this organization now. And it is your team now. So. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's something that he has to say. Maybe that's something that management pressured him into saying. Probably. Uh, if, I, if I was in Dusty's position, uh, what I would say to the players would just be, look. You know it's coming. Just be ready for it. 
Yeah. And that's that's really all I'd have to say because there there is no way around it. They're going to get plunked this year often. Absolutely. It's it's a shame. But let's uh move on to the Cubs themselves. This is a Cubs show after all. Camp. Or as I like to call it, Camp Chris. Because let's face it. Chris Bryant has been the biggest narrative of this camp so far. Agreed? Of course. By far. More than David Ross. More than... I mean, it's there's not really a lot of new narratives because the team yeah. is pretty much the same outside David Ross, but with yeah. all the trade rumors and speculation, it's Chris Bryant for a number of reasons. Yeah, he's been the focal point of the Cubs for months now. So to start off with the Chris Bryant topics, because there are several things to talk about, we first heard from Chris Bryant when he addressed the media, what was it, last week, last weekend, whenever it was, yeah. talk about saying all the right things, and frankly, I think giving a little sass was much needed, because he basically came out and said, look, these rumors, where where were they in real life? I didn't hear anything. The, these whole rumored uh, uh, contracts extensions and these trades you know where was that i didn't hear about that twitter's awful i'm off twitter i don't want to hear it and frankly i don't blame him for wanting to get off twitter and hearing all that stuff i really don't i mean he just he laid it out as it was he said it in a very professional manner and the whole thing in my opinion is it's pretty crazy that your franchise player has to come out and address the media because there have been trade rumors swirling all around him. I just isn't that crazy to think about? Your your cornerstone of your franchise? Well, the fact that it had to be him tells me that the front office was actually seriously entertaining the idea of trading him because I don't know that they would well, go up there and just and just lie to the fans. Uh but you know, having said that, this is a it's a weird situation because if you're Chris Bryant and you're going you go and you talk to Epstein, what are you supposed to tell him? Yeah, we're we're trying to trade you, man. Like uh, that would be uh, this is where it becomes becomes hard because there is the the emotional side of things where you you do have this attachment to your players, but then again, it's also a business and you have to do what's in the best interest of the organization. Now, whether trading Bryant is actually in the best interest of the organization or not is up for debate, but it's, it's a weird situation. I'm sure there's some mixed feelings from Bryant, some, maybe some feelings that he didn't tell us about. Uh, but it, in all, it was refreshing to hear him say, you know, I'm a Chicago cub. Uh, the way he talked about David Ross too, was good to hear it. It makes me a little more hopeful going into the season than I was before. Yeah, you know, you're right. There was definitely, you know, it's another point I wanted to make. There were definitely attempts to shop him. There's no question about it. The whole point I was trying to make was it just, it seems crazy that this has to happen, that you were in a position where you thought that you would trade or possibly trade your franchise cornerstone, and then it didn't happen, and then he's got to come out and say, well, you know, it, it didn't happen. I'm here. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, it's like, man, 
it's not he, quite like trading away Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan's one of the greatest athletes ever, but it's almost like saying, well, they were, you know, they were trying to shop me, but I'm not being shopped right now. I'm here. Yeah. That's what really, management tells me. I'm really, an important player. Just the just the conversation about trading Chris Bryant tells you everything you need to know about the last two seasons. Right, exactly. It's it's kind of a, it a might comment. Not, yeah, it might not make sense to do, but it's in a way it's sort of an admittance of defeat. That's a good way to put it. Because it almost seemed like there was such desperation for shakeup and you had the, you know, whole luxury tech issues and whatnot where you thought maybe, okay, we may be battling luxury tax issues down the road, but at least we would have had more success than this. Yeah. It's probably what they were thinking two years ago when they signed more big contracts like you Darvish. It's like, well, if we go on another run and win another world series or at least get to another world series, we can at least say that luxury tax problems are worth it. But at this point, you're looking back at two seasons where you've won zero playoff games and completely missed the playoffs last year. Now, well, the desire to win is kind of higher because you thought you would be winning a little more and you haven't been and you want to get back to that. And now you're like, well, we have these problems. We may need to shake things up. We, do we have to do something drastic? And it's like you said, it's a statement of what has happened to this team. Yeah. And, you know, as, I, as I've said in the past, I just I, I don't want to see the front office make a blockbuster trade just for the sake of doing something significant. It has to make sense. And I just don't see how this actually benefits the team right now or really even in the long term either because the it, you know if it's if it's going that route that just feels like way too big of a gamble and i would rather i would rather roll with the mvp caliber player right now for these next 2 years while you can mm-hmm. you know even yeah. even if you don't get her even if he bounces once he becomes a free agent at least you gave it a shot i and i think that they owe it to themselves and to the fans to try that while they can, while this competitive window is still open. I think you have to. Yeah, absolutely. You know what you have in Brian. You don't know what you have in some other things. There was something came out today that they had conversations with the Nationals, and the Nationals said that their asking price was too high. And what at least that makes me see is that they still value Chris Bryant, that they weren't just going to be like, okay, just make us an offer. We'll trade him away to trade him away. They're smart enough to know that if you're going to trade him away, you better give us a really big package because we're not just going to give him away. So to me, it tells you that they they value him as a player. It's just the whole, well, shopping him around thing. It's how confident do they feel like they can retain that player and make it work. We heard Tom Ricketts speak a few days ago about the state of the team. And, you know, of course he says he thinks they can win the division, yada, yada. And then when they asked him about being able to extend both Chris Bryant and Javi Baez, wasn't very reassuring from what you heard from Tom Ricketts. No, and that's disappointing, but I think somewhat expected. We knew from the very beginning, you know, back when all these guys, when the core of all these guys were in their early 20s, we knew the chances of them all being able to be retained long-term were pretty low. Uh, And so now we are kind of at the point where it's pick-and-choose time. 
And that's that's a little bit disappointing because we've we've seen these guys grow uh, and develop for years now, and just the thought the thought of of Javi Baez or Kyle Schwarber or Chris Bryant not being on this team five years from now is is really kind of sad, for lack of a better word. It is. I just feel like the more I look back at the last two seasons, it really does stink that we've wasted two years of these guys' prime. Yeah. You know, obviously it would have felt much worse if we didn't win a World Series in 2016. Thank goodness they did that. But you have these prime years of these guys right now. And prime years, they last a little while, but they don't last forever. Especially if they're not going to be here forever in a few years. Some may, some might not be. But you look in the future and you say, well, how many more shots are you going to get with this core? How many more years are you going to have with this core in its prime? Right now, you know you'll have them for this season and next. But beyond that, it's a mystery. I mean, Javi Baez is hitting his peak right now. He wasn't even at his peak when they won the World Series. Neither was Kyle Schwarber. And now that they are, but we've we've wasted several of those years. What is fairly reassuring is it sounds like David Ross has kind of gotten that message through to the team. That, look, you, you, had, you had your best chances, you, you blew them, but it's not over yet. It, it does sound like he's sort of made that clear to them. Yeah, and I think that is very that's nice what they to needed. hear. That's what they needed. Yeah. Before we get, there's another Chris Bryant topic we're going to talk about we'll get back to that but since you bring up david ross i wanted to get to this kind of briefly because i'm kind of sick of talking about it but i thought it was worth addressing just because things have gone back and forth the more you hear from joe madden the more you realize he was ready to move on the team was ready to move on from him and that his shtick got very old You heard those words, right? Yeah. That kind of exchange. And frankly, personally, I'm kind of sick of hearing from Joe Madden because if there's one thing that really annoys me about Chicago sports media, they don't know when to let stuff go. Joe Madden's gone. Stop calling him. Stop talking to him. Because frankly, I don't want to hear from him right now. You know what? To be honest... I don't put a lot of stock into what the Chicago sports media says, the, like the elite, the supposed elite guys. I don't know if you can trust them, really. I, I feel like they get these ideas, they get these notions in their head, and whether there's actually any truth to them or, or not, they just they stay with it. And, and they just are relentless about proving their preconceived notions. And so I, I take everything they say with a grain of salt. I, don't, I really just don't know when to believe them and when not to. Well, normally I would agree, but like just based on the actual quotes from Joe Madden and the quotes from Javier Baez, those right there tell me a lot. I mean, that's directly from the source. I mean, I definitely agree with you about some of the Chicago sports media members and their narratives. Believe me, I do. But in this case, I'm just going based off what the two sides actually said. When sure. Javi Baez said, look, you know, we didn't always prepare before games. We prepared during games. 
and then things kind of sounded lax, and then Joe Madden kind of I spoke back that. at that. Yeah. It makes sense. I don't want to say I have any gripes with Madden per se, but I think it is very fair to say that that shtick got very old. Yeah. and He might have been too lax with them. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of glad that I'm pretty glad we've moved on at this point. I'm yeah. I'm really ready for a fresh start with David Ross for many reasons. And, you know, some could say, well, you know, David Ross has proven himself. And no, you're right. He hasn't. But I think so far he said the things you want to hear. And you don't hear from him as much as Joe Madden. Not quite as much. It's very early on. So take that as you will. But it's almost kind of a good thing. I don't want too much media circus yeah, with well, the next Cub manager. I think he's he's off to a good start. I mean, there there are ways for managers to prove themselves before a season even begins. Uh, just Chris Bryant's comments on how Ross uh, inspired them and motivated them a little bit. I mean, that's that's a huge part of the manager's job, arguably one of the most important. And so you... That's already one big aspect that you can check off the list. And, you know, we talked about that that was something that we were going to have to wait and see if Ross was that kind of guy or not. And so far, so good. Here's something that I kind of conceived in my mind, and it might sound a little meatball-y. And I don't necessarily fully believe this thought. But I'm just going to kind of throw a small comparison out here about 2015, 2016. Again, it's it's not, I believe, it's just like this. And I don't want to degrade what Joe Madden did because the fact that he came in, changed the culture, and made them into winners, you got to give Joe Madden credit no matter what. But you know the story of the 85 Bears and Mike Ditka, and you know how Mike Ditka is treated like a god here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. But when people look at the 85 Bears, they say, well, Buddy Ryan, the defensive coordinator, really made that team very special. And while you can't really discredit Mike Dicka, I think sometimes Dicka gets too much credit and Buddy Ryan doesn't get enough. That's that's probably fair. Look at Joe Madden and David Ross. When David Ross was on the team... He was such an important figure to so many of those guys. Mm -hmm. John Lester did not gain his respect by David Ross being a fun-loving grandpa. When the Cubs were down three games to one the World Series, who stood up and said, don't hang your heads? David Ross. So where I'm, I'm getting with this is, Joe Madden obviously did a lot of good things. And he deserves credit for it. But were there were there times, were there instances when really David Ross was the one kind of keeping that team together? That's fair to wonder. I, I just, mean, I, it, wonder. I wonder. It is, it is fair to wonder, considering how things sort of fell apart after he left. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, you could assume that, that he is sort of the glue in that manner, uh, in, in motivation, uh, just, you know, where your head's at. Uh, so really what we have to see, what he still has to prove is just, just managerial decisions, you know, how he manages a bullpen, how he puts together a lineup, that sort of thing. But, 
but I, I agree with you that I do think that, you know, as far as, as motivating his players, making sure that, that, um, that they're actually mentally prepared for games. I, I think that he is the right guy in that sense that he, he does know what he's doing in that regard. Yeah. And you know, my quote unquote comparison to buddy Ryan and Mike Dicka, it's obviously there's a lot of differences. There could be even more differences than I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, one, they're, they, buddy Ryan and Mike Dicka were both coaches. They weren't on the field, but yeah. I mean, David Ross was kind of a coach to some of those guys, even when he was a player. Yeah, well, I mean, even even at the time, we knew that his real value was not as a player, but just, right. just the way, you know, his style as, as a teammate, I guess. But uh, it, it really, it does make you wonder, back in 15 and 16, you know, how much of this was Madden and how much of this was Ross? Maybe they were just the perfect duo. Who knows? Right, sure. Yeah, I mean, the combination of Ross and Madden could have been, like, perfect. Could have been, like, peanut Fire butter and, and chocolate. Yeah, I, I mean, it yeah. could have been just so perfect together because you got a little mix of everything. You got a mix of, like, fun Joe Madden and then David Ross could be fun when you wanted to, but also serious at the same time. That could very well be. I mean, again, well this... This isn't us drawing any conclusions here. This is just kind of us thinking out speculation. Loud. Yeah, right. So if 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 Madden was ice and Ross was fire, who was the lukewarm water? That sounded so philosophical. It's you ever seen Spinal Tap? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ha ha ha. My my, my I, I got you. He's fire and he's ice and my job is sort of to be in the middle of that, sort of like lukewarm water. Yes, 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 yes. Man, I forgot about that. So Thank you for many, reminding me. So about many that. we I don't know that we've ever quoted Spinal Tap in here. We quote Lebowski all the time, but this, yeah, this might you know be it's first for Spinal Tap. I think so. I'll have to rewatch it. It's been a while. I think the Cubs motto this year should be preserve the moose. Aha. Uh-huh. I like it. I'm not sure how why or not? why that makes any sense at all, but why not? I should roll with nothing it anyway. makes sense anymore. Nothing makes sense. I mean, nothing could be worse than like that's cub, right? That was awful. That that, that was terrible. That that was so bad. that was cringe, actually. Embrace the target, I thought was kind of silly too. Try not the to message suck was, was good, but Try Not to Suck was great. My personal favorite was Miguel Montero. Just, we are good. We are good. I I like that, yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Going with the the minimalist approach. Yeah. Short, sweet, to the point. We are good. Um, So, let's go back to Chris Bryant. Because we have some pretty significant news also coming out with Chris Bryant. He's the leadoff man. Woo! So, I took a poll on Twitter today. Small sample size. I was at work. It was about 1 o'clock. And I said, you know what? We haven't run a Twitter poll in a while for this show. So, I will run a Twitter poll. It was a four-hour poll. So, it got 183 votes. So, obviously, a tiny sample size. But, to me, it speaks volumes. Because I'm also basing this statement that I make both on these results and just what I see, you know, on social media, among Cubs fans, wherever. 
this is a really well-received idea overall. People are like, okay, I could see it. Or people are kind of just saying, all right, I, I'm down for giving yeah. it a try. There's- I'm not sure... I'm not sure if it's if it's well received because it's Chris Bryant in the leadoff, or if it's because we're gonna have an actual leadoff guy. Period. Something the Cubs haven't had in a long time. Well, I have a few theories, and I'll get to that in a minute. But um, shall I read you the results of the poll? Yes. So, 183 votes, 68.9, which rounds to 69. Noise said yes. I do like the idea. 23% said indifferent, let's see. So they're willing to see it out. 8% said no. So only 8% flat out doesn't like it. So a vast majority, a vast majority either likes it or is willing to see it out. I'm, I'm a little back and forth on this one. Uh, I love the idea of the Cubs having an actual leadoff man, somebody who's going to be in the leadoff spot for most of the season. I've been wanting that for so long. I'm not sure if I'm excited about Chris Bryant being that guy. It's not because I, I doubt his abilities to be a good leadoff man. I think he can be a great leadoff man. I think it, it's more about what is going to be missing from like the three or four spot because I've always believed that you know, somebody who's going to hit 30 home runs, I really would rather them hit those home runs when guys are on base. Uh, but having said that, I, you know, I, I am fine with this because, like I saw you tweet earlier, I agree, Chris Bryant is a smart base runner. Very uh, he's smart. Gonna, he's going to get, you know, the strikeouts are a, a bit of a concern to me. Uh, maybe his his approach changes, though, a little bit when he's in the leadoff spot, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he's not swinging for the fences as much, maybe more for contact. Uh, but he's, he, you know, even so he's still got a good eye at the plate. So I think he can be a good leadoff man. I really do. I think, you know, whether this is successful or not is going to come down to who's batting in the two and three spots and whether they perform well, because I just, I hate to see, too many solo home runs from the leadoff spot because to me when I see that it just means that it could have been even more runs had they not batted first here's something to consider when you're in the leadoff spot part of what made the Cubs so successful in 2015-2016 was having Dexter Fowler in the leadoff a guy that could get on base a guy that could have good at-bats if you're having good at-bats and getting on base right off the bat and you score early the chances of you winning are going up. So that first at-bat as a leadoff man is very key. The rest of the game, you know, you're maybe you're batting first because the pitcher makes the final out, but not always. So you're not always batting first every inning. So you can have guys later on in the game, and you could be able to drive them in. Also, if you're batting first, Chris Bryant will have the opportunity to get more at-bats than ever. I think that's a positive. And I, and I think, you know, don't quote me on this, but I think Chris Bryant probably had the highest on-base percentage of all the, the starters last year. I believe so. I would No, think. no, Rizzo did. Rizzo. What was Rizzo's? It was like 401. It was in the 400s. Okay, but, but still, but 382 is still excellent, though. So, right. you know, that, that you can check that one off in the box, I guess, that... Uh, 
like I said, it's not that I that I think he he won't be a good leadoff man. I really believe he'll be a good leadoff man. It's just that I think there's some runs being wasted there, maybe. Well, look at it this way as well. If you get Brian on base and he runs the bases smartly, and then that allows you to have Anthony Rizzo in an RBI spot, one of the few guys that's really good at making contact and doesn't strike out a lot and can really adjust his approach just to put the ball in play, I think that's pretty nice to have. Yeah. I tell you what I really do, what I do love about it, the idea of this, uh, is having righties and lefties alternating throughout the lineup. That I like a lot. You know a reason why I think a lot of people also like this idea? Mm. Fans love just the slap it down, here it is. Because the last few years under Joe Mann with the leadoff man, well, we could be doing Schwarber, we could do, be doing Hap, we could be doing this, we're going to try out this and that and this and that, and everything was jumbled all over the place. Here it's just Chris Bryant's your leadoff man. There it is. That's that's yeah. he's your leadoff man. I like it. It's it's straightforward. Uh, it's I, I I appreciate it from the standpoint of, of of being you know aggressive, just really going for the jugular right out of the gates. I do like that. I mean, that's that's something the Cubs have not had in a while. Uh, is is somebody in the leadoff spot who you, you really can't you can't pitch around them, you know. That's Chris Bryant as your first batter of the day. That's a tough test for any starter. And you see more and more around baseball where some of their great big hitters are batting first. You know, leadoff men have changed over the years. It's not really the 1970s anymore where it's the slappy hitting speedster that steals bases. It's just, yeah, yeah. It, it's changed. Times have changed. It, yeah, it's not that way anymore. I kind of wish it was. I, I, I think baseball's more exciting when it's that way, but... But I do have to concede that that's that's really not how most teams are playing the game now, and you see you have to adapt. Yeah, it's going to be one of those interesting things we get to watch throughout spring training consistently. When you know, obviously Chris Bryant is playing because uh, you know, obviously you have split squad games and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I think as long as Chris Bryant is starting, you know, he will be in that leadoff spot every time, so that'll at least give you some idea of consistency and him being able to create himself a routine in spring training. I like that. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that 100% that if you are going to have a set leadoff guy, they have to be sufficiently prepared for that role. I, I think that that that's a really high pressure role to be in. And so I don't think you can just slap somebody in there and expect success I think it is something that you have to prepare for mentally uh, I never really liked shuffling guys in and out of the leadoff spot I think it throws them off their rhythm so I, I like this approach I do from trade rumors to being the leadoff man 2016 MVP 2015 mm-hmm. rookie of the year Chris Bryant what yeah. a journey like I said, I, I've got some some skepticism as to whether or not they lose out on some runs here, but I, I'm looking at this with an open mind, and I do I really do believe that this could be uh, a good move in the long run. Yeah, I think so too. So let's let's see how it works. I have one more topic I would like to discuss tonight, and it's another kind of I'm annoyed, I'm angry topic. All right. 
this dang TV network marquee still does not have a deal with Comcast, the biggest sports or not just sports provider, but TV cable provider in general in the Chicagoland area. I mean, the sports package with Comcast where you get NBC Sports, that alone is big, but then you have this whole thing where they're saying, well, we might have it by spring training. Well, we might not have it with spring training. It's just getting delayed more and more and more. And on top of that, they announce, oh, we got to deal with Hulu. Oh, great. That's awesome. I got Hulu. Oh, just wait. But you need like the plus or whatever to get marquee. If you have just regular old Hulu, you're not going to get marquee. Well, and it's like not, 50 bucks a month. Yeah, and from what I understood, you're not even getting live games with that. You're just you're just getting you're just getting marquee content. Yeah, so and that was as I understood it though. I could be wrong about that, but that doesn't seem worth it at all. No, I mean all I know is that you have to get like the plus subscription or whatever it's called and then um, you know, you're going to have to pay 50 bucks a month just to get Cubs content. Yeah. It's like, really? Yeah, really? That, that sounds terrible. And, it, but, you know, the market will dictate it, it, if that's a popular idea or not. It, I, If that's really the way it's going to be, I would have to think that that's going to be an utter failure. But it, it, it's different. I don't keep as close to tabs on this as you do because I am I'm not in the Chicago area. Uh I watch I watch most baseball games on MLB TV, you know, unless they're on a major network in primetime like ESPN or Fox or something. I usually am just streaming most games on MLB TV. As long as that's not affected for the Cubs, then it, it doesn't really make any difference to me what happens, but it's Well, you're not in the Chicagoland area. It's different here. Games get blocked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's rough. I don't know. Is this is this affecting MLB TV at all? I I wouldn't think it would. It is. I think it is. Oh boy. It's it, this whole thing is just really getting on my nerves. It really is. I want to be able to watch the games. I probably won't be, at this rate. I'm not going to be able to see any spring games, and I enjoy watching spring games, but I can't watch them because I have Comcast. And I'm not going to get Hulu for 50 bucks a month. I'm sorry. No, that's horrible. That's absolutely horrible. If it was maybe like 12 bucks a month, that'd be different. But it's like over 50 for this thing. Yeah, I just, that's, I, that's absurd. Yeah, what do you have against the marquee network? Yeah. Well, look at it. You're not going to be billing in a year. Yeah. Well, you, you better be right. Yeah. <sighs> I'm sorry. That really grinds my gears. I understand. But you know what? At least, at the very least, I'll have Virgil Patrick Hughes on the radio. Well, yeah, what are we, in the 1930s, listening to games on the radio? But it's Pat Hughes. Yeah, yeah. Pat it's Hughes Pat is good. Hughes. He's great. There are, there are days in the summer, or nights in the summer, where I will choose to put it on the radio and just sit back in the backyard on a beautiful night with a beer. I like that. I like it's that. It's very relaxing. You should try like, it sometime. I like that a lot. It it kind of kind of relieves your stress, and you know, Pat Hughes has that really good voice, and even though you don't see it, you see it in your mind because he's so good at describing everything. Yeah, he he really is one of the best in that business. I think 
not not trying to be a homer here, but I, I do think is. he's one of the better ones. Yeah. I just I get sad knowing that he's getting older and I really don't know how much longer he's gonna be doing this. And you know, in case you haven't noticed, he's missing more and more games every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, well, maybe in a few years he'll be kind of doing the classical broadcaster thing where you only go do the home games and have somebody else on the road. I mean, that could be right around the corner. I I really don't know how much longer Pat Hughes is going to be doing this. Yeah, but, you know, who knows? Maybe the next Vince Scully's on deck. Yeah, you never know. It, Probably not, but 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 you never know. It's it's always it's no matter what it's hard to adjust. It, yeah, you're it, right. I guess if if you're gonna think about it, to, if do it from the perspective of uh, appreciate what you've got while you've got it. Well said. That's that's a good way to put it. And we're very lucky that we won a World Series when Pat Hughes was still behind the mic. We didn't get it with Harry Carey. We didn't get it with Jack Brickhouse, but we got it with Pat Hughes. Yeah. And that's that's pretty cool. Indeed. Well, uh, you know, I think we had a really, really good show tonight. There was a lot of talk about. Uh, I don't have much else. We'll have more content as time goes on. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there'll be spring games to talk about, uh, ones that I won't really get to watch, but I'll follow them either way. Mm-hmm. We'll have hopefully some more news just coming out in general. There'll be things to watch for this spring training, but we'll get into that as spring training continues and they actually play some games. So I think that's going to wrap it up for Climbing the Ivy this week. I want to thank you all for listening. I want to thank Adam for coming on, as always. A reminder, you can check out Cubby's Crib at cubbyscrib.com. You can also check them out on social media, check out their Twitter, Facebook page, and check out the rest of this podcast on iTunes.com. Until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night.